I have these friends, Dan and Sheila. I actually they're podcast hosts. Welcome to Profiling Criminal Minds. I'm Dan. And I'm Dr. Redmond. <laughs> and uh we are back for season two of Millennium, which uh gets weird right away. Yeah. <laughs> it does not hesitate to it get weird, weird. Like, at all. Like, it's it's strange right from the jump, and I kind of love that. Yeah. In fact, you know, as it, it, I mean, we'll get to the second episode, but the first episode is its own, it has its own weirdness. Yep. You know, but, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and this guy is just, who knows, right? I know. There was a couple of things there that I went, okay. Yeah. Well, I, I think as we're talking about it, I'll start to remember. Right. What the problem, but what, there was one little thing, discontinuity that I went. Yeah. Huh? But I don't remember what it was, so it wasn't that important. Okay. And I did write it down, so. Anyway, uh, yeah, the first one. It picks up exactly where the previous episode left off, except yeah. this time we see Catherine getting kidnapped. Yeah. We see the uh the demon, the Polaroid man, grabbing mm-hmm. her and yeah. injecting her. Right. And uh yeah. trying to seem like one of those beggary type guys who takes photographs and then uh yeah. a- and then uh asks you to pay for it and blah 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 blah. That kind of nonsense. Yeah, and then notice and you know, and Catherine has the presence of mind to drop the origami. Yeah. Wasn't Which is nice. A, it wasn't yeah. just a coincidence. No, she it was a very nice touch. You know, even then he doesn't quite connect that she's been kidnapped right away. Not instantly. But you know, I think soon enough. Oh yeah, I, I'm not I'm not majorly critical. Uh, critical of that part of it, but I thought, you know, they do all of the, and for the record, I checked. It's not the same actor playing, okay, that's uh, what I wondered. yeah, playing Polaroid Man, uh, this time. It was a different actor in Paper Dove than it is in the, uh, beginning and the end. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's not a big deal. This time it's Doug Hutchinson, an actor who I encourage you to not Google. And I'll just leave it at that. Yes. Let's just say that, like a, I mean, I'm not saying it's a Kevin Spacey situation. I'm just saying, like Kevin Spacey, you're going to be happier if you don't Google this man. Yes. Well, let me put it this way. He's creepy. I mean, he did creepy really well. Oh, he's unbelievably creepy in this. So, why not? <laughs> yeah. You know, some of these guys channel their real life into their role. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. um yeah, Maybe, right? Well, no, I, I, I mean, seriously, come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I'm just like. I know, I know. It's, it's not, it's not an unreasonable guess to make. No, but when you get backstories, right? Sometimes yeah. you start to get the, the, the stories of these people. Yeah. You're not exactly surprised. Entirely shocked at where they came from. No, well, I think you're right about that. You know, like. I make, I make my judicious thinking cap sometimes so that when it does happen, I'm going, oh yeah, well, I could have told you that. <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> so, um, in any event, what matters is, I think they did the roadblock and the, the locking down sequence really well. Uh, the one problem I had is, uh, with my slight believability is saying, um, you're looking for this specific person who looks like this, allowing him to change his disguise and escape, rather than just saying, shut down the airport. Don't let anybody leave. And just have him already be gone. Because it looks kind of naive that they were like, oh no, we'll, we'll let the, a former FBI agent and current criminal profile for a weird, you know, quasi-governmental organization uh, his wife has just been kidnapped by a guy who's been stalking them. I'm going to trust the guy who works the booth at the airport to identify who we're looking for, you know? I, 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 okay, in the, the first episode, yes. I mean, I had a whole problem with that because I found it very confusing yeah. as well, the the roadblock. Yeah. And the fact that he got pulled over. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, okay, let's, let's just go to the things that I, I found rather problematic in that first episode as, right. because it's all at, at the beginning really as we're yeah. going along for the most part. Um, and it, the roadblock and so they pull him over, but they just look and they see the, the dog and I don't understand this because at one, because Frank is getting visions of her behind in a dog cage. Yeah. Essentially. And, um, but he does, does, uh, he did look under the tarp at one point later on. Mm-hmm. Like it was the cops first who looked under the tarp and didn't see it. And then you have that other van that he keeps looking at. And I'm going, but why? I think it, it struck me as just too confusing. It reads strangely, and I'm not going to disagree with you about that. You know, um, yes, because, of course, and we had no idea that he was wearing a disguise. Yeah. Um, because he was always wearing it then, and I'm sure it wasn't always a disguise, but... Yeah. Um, it, it is, it is, yeah, it was just strange, yeah. I, I agree with you, they should have just shut down the airport... But he's already left. Yeah. You know, but he's, you know. But they've just missed him, and that's that's all you need to do to explain it. Yeah, you don't have to set up the whole roadblock thing, because that got really confusing as Frank is running up and down the, you know, leaving his car there. And And trying to see if he can feel it. Yeah, but he does. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't do any good. No, it doesn't do any good. It doesn't help him find her. So then we go to, uh, what the Millennium Group is up to. And this is very interesting. Yeah. Because we find out that the Millennium Group has known all, basically all along who his stalker was. Yep. The whole time. But he didn't have a need to know. He didn't have a need to know who the stalker was because, and this is the key part, and this is what we're going to start getting into with the Millennium Group. Yeah. Uh, they're like, he only targeted you. And, and Peter Watts just says, he only targeted you and your family because we wanted to recruit you. Yeah. Because we were looking at you to be recruited. That's why he started stalking, stalking you. you. And that's the key part. 
Yeah. Right. That's, that's the, the key part of this whole relationship. It's this whole spin. It's like all of this has been a manipulation up until this point. And at any point they could have stepped in and dealt with the stalker, but the millennium group believes all of this needs to happen. Yes, they are as as crazy as the crazies yeah. who think all of this stuff is going on. Like those crazy Christians who think Armageddon is about to come. Exactly. Well, I mean, that's exactly what the Millennium Group is. A yeah. group of crazy Christians, crazy Christians who Christians. think that the, the, the Armageddon coming. is going to happen. And I mean, yes, they're 100% right, but it doesn't make them less sinister. No, and they they are particularly... You know, I mean, I, we did like, you know, that we have the shady character. Yeah. Um, I, hopefully it's not William B. Davis. <laughs> Sorry. Of course not. But yeah, <laughs> he does show up later, which is really. I good. know, I know, but it was, it was pretty funny. I yeah, know I that there's a sinister man from higher up in the Millennium Group. Yes, well, like he couldn't use him in the Millennium Group because he was already using him in the X Files. There so. you go. What are you gonna do? But yeah, it's um, a it's a nice touch. But the guy says, "Well, maybe he we should have been helping him all along," and he sends them out. I mean, yeah. he makes sure that they now help. Um, yes. Now, what's interesting? But then we get then we get the weird thing with with the cop, and I'm going, "Oh, does he have a partner?" No, it's no. Just a that's cop. a very strange scene when the cop finds him doing something no suspicious. Idea what that scene was supposed to mean. And they just have this long conversation about an asteroid, not an, well, a meteor that comes by every, yes, a comet that comes by Earth once every 2,000, once every 1,000 years. And, and the world goes doom. to hell. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And this time, you can see that, like, previously it was only seen in the southern hemisphere last time, and this time, and doom befell everyone who saw it. And this time you can see it in the northern hemisphere. So there you go. But yeah, it just digs into how insane this guy is. But it's a very odd scene. It, it was very odd. You, yeah, you're not wrong. I, I, I mean, for whatever reason, I had no... There was no resonance that occurred when I watched this. Gotcha. Most of the other ones, there's always something that I go, oh yeah, I do remember that part, or I remember the... I didn't remember him being pulled over by a cop either. I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna claim I remember that scene really well either. I didn't either, so it must have... We always have to remember, or at least I do, that I've only seen it once. Yeah, exactly. And that was on television in the 90s when, at the end of the 90s, when it was on. Yeah. So, um... It it just doesn't stick the same way. I understand that. And... But I still go. I don't remember and I don't know why this scene is there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why it's there. Yeah. It doesn't move the plot anywhere. No. You know? Um, no, it's it's literally just to set up the comet in the next episode. Well, yeah, I know. But honestly, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I okay. Yeah, I know, but yes, well, because the next episode is terrifying. Kid, I mean, it's an incredible episode of television. That that next episode is wow. terrifying. Wow. 
And this one is kind of a setup for the next one. Yeah, but this one also has, and it is, but it also has, there, there is important stuff happening in this episode. Oh yeah. Okay, so, um, so Frank is informed. Okay, good. So Frank is informed that they knew about him all along. And, um, more importantly, we meet Brian, who, uh, everybody loves. Brian Rodecker, uh, the, the computer hacker. Yeah. Who works for the Millennium Group and, uh, tricks people into saying, make, making code phrases, uh, well, for their computer clips from, uh, movies he likes. Well, not only movies he likes, but obscure movies that from other seventies, yeah, from the seventies that, that other hackers will not. Well, will no, and, but I mean, there is immediately the thing is that's his claim. But honestly, on some level, I think he's just doing it to get Frank to say Soylent Green is people. Because later we're going to find out. Spoiler alert! (laughs) (laughs) If you haven't seen Soylent Green. I I think people remember, that's the one people know about Soylent. One thing people know about Soylent Green (laughs) is that Soylent Green and people. People don't even know that's a movie and they still know that. (laughs) But anyway, um, so uh, what's interesting though with the Soylent Green is people, uh, but I mean, I think it just might be something he's doing because he finds it funny because later we'll find out that Peter Watts's entry code is open the pod bay doors, how? Yeah, I know. So he's taking stuff from all these, uh... from all this stuff. And in, uh, what do you call it? Um, the, the weird part is I would argue that both quotes, right? Yes. Speak to the character. Uh, that says them in a way that is meaningful because Soylent Green is people is a reference to the fact that there is this dark underbelly that he's the only one who sees. Yes. There is, there is this dark secret at the heart of the world and Charlton Heston is the only one who knows it. And that is Frank Black's story. Yes. And the same way, open the pod bay doors, Hal is a reference to a man who thought he was in charge of a machine. And it turns out the machine, machine was in charge. The machine was in charge the whole time. <laughs> and I'm not going to say what happens with Peter Watts later on, but you know, I, I no. think that I think it's a very meaningful that they gave him that line. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're, we're now, of course, attaching a lot more um, thought. Significance, significance and thought. Than we would have the first time. Yeah, the first time we wouldn't have thought about all, Those were cute, right? Those were cute. But now you think, I think they meant them. Like, when you look at well, how much thought has gone into every part of this episode, these yeah. episodes. All you, these episodes so far after the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, they, it, it all fits together. Yeah. You know, there's, there's all, and you're probably right about, um, the, the meaning behind those for Frank, because Frank, because even Peter Watts, I don't think still doesn't fully understand the, Frank's power. No. And I don't think Frank understands Frank's power. And that's part of what is being explored here, explored in this episode. Just how yeah. far is this going to go? Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, yeah, as I said, from now on, right? Like the, but you know, I'm going, what, the Millennium Group didn't even tell him they were coming into his house? No. You know, cause he no, almost they didn't. killed the guy at yeah. the computer, the hacker. Yeah. Cause there's mysteriously to... a guy inside of his house. 
no, it was noise, right? He yeah. heard noise after he just, he'd gone in and checked to make sure that Jordan was all right. Yep. And now there's see, suddenly men inside his house. It's understandable that yeah, he would he be very on edge. On edge and freaked out. He almost killed the guy. Yeah. Oh, my God. But it's so, uh, then we get the wonderful bit where he, um, they're managed to track down. So Frank goes through and we get that amazing speech, right? That Doug Hutchinson gives, the Polaroid man, the demon gives. And we find out what his origin story is. That he is someone that the Millennium Group approached. Yes. The same way they've approached Frank. And to use. And here's the thing. Like, is he literally, was he possessed by a demon afterwards? Was he always a demon? Like, what is... (laughs) What is going on with this guy? Or were we wrong to call him a demon and he's literally just someone with the same power Frank has who has chosen because who now knows that God is real and decided to be on the devil's side? We never get an answer to that one. Nope. But because they just refuse to tell us exactly what's going on here. But the horrifying, you know, the horrifying thing here is that all of this stuff is what the Millennium Group wanted to happen. They wanted Frank to be committed more. And so they have arranged a tragedy to get him more committed and more dependent on them. And that's a creepy idea. <laughs> I'm not happy about it. Yeah. It's, yes, we yeah. weren't happy about it first time. No. Like, yeah, like, oh, so there really is... They really are sinister, this Millennium Group. Yeah, you know, I mean, you you think, okay, they're probably the good guys, right? You well, think? Well, maybe well, not. No, initially, but now you're just going, they are so... No, because you, it's given off. I mean, they provide all of these services yeah. that a lot of these out-of-the-way departments can't Desperately afford, need, yeah. And they desperately need, and so the Millennium Group just... Yeah. Does it for them for nothing. Mm-hmm. We should have been your first clue that there's got to be something else going on here. Yeah. Um, this is America after all. <laughs> Not know, to be right? cynical about it. But yeah, but like nobody does something without getting paid in America. That's just the nature of America. So I, you know, you, but it, it, it wasn't, maybe it was meant to be we'll have to revisit this episode when we get to the end of the season that maybe it's this discordant for a reason yeah for a reason in terms of sort of chris cuz chris carter yeah maybe he wasn't as involved he couldn't do both shows but yeah no this is this would is have outlined yeah well yeah, and that's the question how much did he outline like cuz again uh, he felt that they botched it so thoroughly that the men didn't talk for 12 years. <laughs> so yes. Maybe he really did just hand it off to them. Or maybe he did do the outline and they decided to do to, what they wanted to do. Exactly. Do what they wanted to do anyway. It's it's odd. But then again, the first season had, you know, the two-parter. <laughs> you know, with angels yeah. and with demons and angels. Yeah. So you can't really see, you can't really say for that this wasn't coming. This was always coming. It's just the form it takes is so jarring and bizarre. Yeah. And this, this, as you say, we don't know if this guy was, be, 
whether he is possessed by a demon or not, we don't know. Yep. We do know that he has a grudge against the Millennium Group. Mm-hmm. That we do know. Yep. Uh, he is creepy enough because what he's done is he has no intention of really sexually assaulting Catherine. No. Nope. He has no intention of harming Catherine. Um, he wants to cause her misery. Oh, yeah, because he ties her up and hangs her for a roof and uses and, a doll in a wig to make her think that Jordan has been murdered. Yeah. Oof. You know, now why she actually believed that is probably she's she's just... Well, I mean, I, she, she was drugged. She was put in a trunk. She's been pulled to a basement by this monster. I think, you know, it's not without the outside of the realm of possibility. Except that Jordan was with Frank. Yeah, but she was unconscious for five hours. She doesn't know what happened. She no, doesn't no, know I know it. that. I know that. I'm just saying, she has no reason not to believe the guy. Well, had- I guess I didn't find it. I mean, given Catherine up to this point, and then I'm going, you know, I think her character should have been a little more... um Resistant to the... Resistant, yeah. Maybe. You know, there's a whole bunch of things, little things with this episode. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know they're winding Catherine out, but yeah. um, anybody can guess that that's not a spoiler. This yeah. is coming. I mean, the problems between the two of them are clear. Yep. She's already moved out of the house. Because mm-hmm. that happens in this episode. Oh, yeah. No, um, she's moving out of the house and, um, because they've already separated. Not oh, yet. No, 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 no. That's the end. That's this, yet. that's this episode. That happens this episode. So after she's captured, after she's yeah. rescued, so, of course. Frank, uh, but the speech is important because he lays out that Frank oh, yeah. will not be able to profile him because he is doing this for a different reason than yes. everything Frank has knowledge of and everything he has Frank experience with. He's doing this because it is actual prophecy, because it's about demons, because, again, the Millennium Group has essentially put him up to it. You can't look at his past behavior because he wasn't a criminal until the Millennium Group approached him and told him the dark truth at the heart of the world. Yeah. And I do, I do like saying that he's never committed a crime until now. And I'm like, well, you did take a lot of stalkery pictures of them and hand them off to serial killers. So, you know, don't, don't give me this. You, uh, you certainly put that, uh, uh, you certainly put Mike Starr up to serial killing there, but don't give me this. You were, you were fine until you kidnapped Catherine. But, you know, I mean, I think the interesting part of the episode is, is how they, um, they do. Right? You know, as he's talking, well, and right now Frank's going to be doing this, and yeah. he, he states exactly the process that Frank's going through, and we always flash back to Frank doing that. Yep. He knows I, exactly like, what's there going are some, to In terms of the structure of it, there are some things that work really well, and oh, that yeah. part of it did. You know, and then his, as I said, with Catherine, you know, he's just... It, it's just he wants to create the fear because he knows Frank's coming. Frank's mm-hmm. going to find him eventually because he's not going anywhere. Yeah. And the Millennium Group is now going to help. 
Well, and I did like his logic that uh, if it's an and he'll eventually figure out that this isn't about me, it's entirely about him. And so Frank goes over the photos and he's like, he has a photo of where we used to live before we moved to Maryland. Yeah. And so they check into that house and find out that a week after, um, a week after they moved back to Seattle, someone bought their old house in Seattle. Yep. And no one has seen the person who bought it since it was purchased. So they go, they search through the place. Catherine's not there. It's a dead end. Or is it because Frank tears the house apart and finds a Polaroid of a farmhouse? Yeah. And uses the, um, uses essentially, uh, geographic profiling. That, that, <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yes. He uses geographic. And all the newfangled stuff he has access to from the millennium, millennium group. Out. Yeah. Out, right? Yes. Well, I mean, for example, based on the color of the sun, he's able to tell it's four, uh, five o'clock and the direction of the shadow, um, in the e- afternoon when the po- f- picture was taken, which means he can tell which way this house faces so we can eliminate all farmhouses. It's yeah. actually a farmhouse and there's nothing in the background. So it has to have its own property. It has to be within X amount of distance of the airport. Right, uh, for him to have gotten to it safely, and so he like he just uses all of the new technology that, as you say, he's been handled by the Millennium Group yeah. to find exactly where this house is. But Peter Watts uh, says, "Look, we've already had the cops led the cops on a wild goose chase. We're not going to be able to get another, you know, uh, team out there. Another team out there because." They were quite explicitly, when they busted in the last door, doing it extra legally. Yeah. Because they're like, this is a raid on exigent circumstances based on, uh, you know, fear for the it, life it of Catherine Black. But the thing is, like, they didn't have any evidence she was there. No. None whatsoever. And so, had there been anyone to, you know, push back on that raid, the, there could have been problems. I mean... There's nobody to push back, spoiler alert. Well, yeah, and the Millennium Group is powerful enough to have... Oh, yeah, to have made it go away, I'm sure. made it go away, because they're going to make this one go away. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, oh, how great a scene is that? All right, so anyway, Frank, um, he's not going to wait. This is where we get the scene of Peter Watts' boss saying, uh, you know, talking about we should have helped, so they're going to help. Yeah. Which is nice. Uh, I really, li- uh, really liked that scene. I thought that was a nice touch. You've got, uh, just a, a great moment there. Then Frank goes out, goes to find, uh, Catherine. Catherine finds out Jordan's alive. And then he has his fight with, uh, Polaroid Man. Yeah. And he murders Polaroid Man. Yeah, he just lashes out at Polaroid Man. Yeah. And it's the key part not- is, yeah. We did at the beginning of the episode, we had cut forward to the end of the episode. Right? We had yeah. cut forward to the end of the episode and showed Frank with blood on his hands and had him audibly wondering, is this the end or is it the beginning? Yeah. And before I think the you can, yeah, before the opening credit, that's the teaser. Talking. That's the cold yeah. open at the top of the episode. Yes. And the thing is, I think, I mean, maybe I'm re- maybe again, it's because I know it. I think we can be 100% sure that Catherine is still alive, um, based on that opening, just because I don't think Frank would be considering that, uh, I think Frank would be talking very differently if his wife was dead. But, <laughs> so I think no, it's, no, yeah. no, I, I never had any question that, because the first scene you see with him, 
Yeah. And Catherine. It's clear he wants Frank. He exactly. is only, He's only concerned Catherine. As part of his manipulation of Frank. Frank. So He's not really interested in Catherine whatsoever, except no. as a tool to yeah. get there. So I wasn't terribly worried that he was a serial killer or he was going to do something horrible to Catherine. Yeah, you really Catherine. don't get that at all because that's no, clearly not what's going on. Her, except to make her miserable. And part of pretending that that was Jordan who was dead was just to distract her. Yeah. To keep her on tilt, as the kids yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah, so, no, totally. So that that is the total thing there. I, I just, and so Frank comes, and of course Catherine is watching him as he kills this guy. Yeah. And she can't cope. Yeah. And now they go out, and the the cops all come, and... He goes outside, they put them in the car, and some guy comes and explains to them what happened. Uh, how, and how great is that moment? <laughs> that was the scene, and it's not, and Frank, who it's was- It's not no long, host. it's not a long scene, but it's a key scene. And it's oh, like, it's key. This guy just explains to them exactly that they, that you were afraid and blah, and this guy put up a fuss and, and- Fight, you and Frank was forced him. to kill him in self-defense. In self-defense. And like- and, do you understand? And and normally Frank would start to argue. You know? I mean, that's the point. Catherine just says, "Oh yes, yeah. we understand perfectly." Frank can't say anything. No, it's the first time because Frank's always you Frank know, has always stepped in with this kind of thing, but no, not anymore. Yeah. So not and after what he's had up. to do. Yeah, he's looked up and he sees, uh, of course, Peter. Yeah. In one of the cars. So he knows the Millennium Group has come Is to there, see. and he knows the Millennium Group has it handled. Yeah. And that's the key part. Yeah. Like, the Millennium Group has stepped in to wrap this up for him. It's, you know, it's quite an ending. Yeah, it is quite an ending. The um, Well, we still have the denouement with Catherine. Yeah. Oh, exactly. But uh, sorry, but uh, quite a climax he, of the episode. A climax. It was the. It was. It was quite a climax because he is Frank is now seeing that there is this evil, evil. Yeah, real and that, evil. And he's responding to it. And I'm not sure. Well, we'll we're going to see how this all works out because. Yeah. We've got the next episode to come. Well, I mean, uh, the thing is, all of the stuff Frank implicitly understands, and this is where I'm going to talk about how the philosophy of the, of, I'm going to learn to speak English. Sorry about that. The philosophy of the show has changed going into season two, because this episode has a proper climax and then denouement and an ending that is troubling, but somewhat satisfying. Right? It doesn't use its opening to spoil the end of the show the way famously Powers, Principalities, Thrones, and Dominions did. Yep. Like, so, like, they're structuring it differently. And we talked about how in the first season it was a show that had no interest in you understanding anything that was going on. Yeah. But everything we've just said about the way the world works, right, and the concept of pure evil, that's going to go from what it's clear that Frank understands to the attentive viewer today to in the next episode, a character just says it. 
Yeah. And I think, well, who knows? I mean, if he did just hand it off to these guys and these guys were under far more pressure. Well, from- that's what I'm going to say. Did they have a mandate from yeah. the network to make this show marketable? Yeah. And then that would have meant going back to a more normal structure. That, and I mean, we'll talk about that with the next episode, which is fantastic. But let's get through the dating yes. mall first here, where Catherine quite understandably does not know if Frank can be Frank anymore and if she can live with, like, it's not even that she thinks he did, you know, Anything something wrong. awful, but it's not who he is. It's not who he is in his, and, and she's moving out of the house. Yeah. Because one of her friends is getting a divorce, so her friend has the big house, so she and Jordan are going to move over there. Yep. Um, you know, we see Frank with, with, with the daughter, because Frank's not, because she packs up, you know, um, she, you know, sort of Frank, and she said, Frank, you can't, you know, Frank's not going to live there. It's a home, but it's our dream, and we've been here a year, Catherine says, and nothing has gone right. Yeah. And, um, you know, and so, you know, she's, and he's going, well, you want to sell the place? And she says, yes. Well, the mail- No, that, that comes up in the next episode. That's the start of the oh. next episode. Yeah. The end no, of this, this episode is, episode is her not, her I'm saying she doesn't know if they can come back from this. Yes. And that's where we leave it at the end of the first episode. The start of the uh, second episode is him bringing Jordan back because, yeah, you know. Yeah, because he's seen Jordan. Because, like yeah, he's taken Jordan to go see a up. thing, and she's packed him up, uh, packed up to leave. Yeah. And, of he, course, he doesn't want her to leave. It's a whole thing. Yeah, but he's already left. Yes, of course, but he doesn't want her to leave either. And so she says, you know, he, he should move into the house. And he's like, I'll only live in the house when we're there as a family. Yeah. And so he agrees to let her call the um, real the real estate agent, agent about selling it. Because she doesn't think they can get past, you know, what Frank has revealed about himself. And this whole time that he's been out with, uh, without with Jordan, Peter Watts has been paging him over and over again. Yes. And he's been ignoring the pages. Exactly. Because he's out with his daughter. And I mean, it's understandable. Last week he yelled at his daughter once and he has not given, let him off the hook for doing that since. Not let himself off the hook. Yeah. That's what I said. He hasn't let himself off the hook for a second for doing that. Because, you know, that's just who he is. Uh, but he snapped at her at the, um, at the airport. And of course he's, you know, he was freaked out, but his daughter can't possibly know what was going on. So he really has been beating himself up over it ever since. Cause, you know, Frank, that's who Frank is. Yeah. And we get the, uh, frankly, <laughs> um, the, the wonderful scene at the start of this episode, before we get to Frank though, we get the teaser, uh, the horror movie opening teaser. <laughs> Oh God, I couldn't watch it. Oh my God, it's so well done. It the was old so couple parking old. right outside town limits, and then the guy from the diner comes up and asks them to move. Please move inside town limits. Yeah, they're like, "What?" He's like, "Please, and just you know, it's not going to be a problem. Just come inside the town limits, and you'll be fine." Yeah. So they do, and he drives off, and everybody's fine. And then they, they get can't. surrounded by wild dogs. Oh, I mean, I get, I mean, I watched it and then you saw the one dog and then you saw the dogs and he, and the man just wants to, thinks he can scare the dogs and so he, he opens, opens his window, window and that's to it. like 
and that lets the other dogs that were hiding outside start leaping into the... I mean, it is such a brutal way for an episode to open. People getting torn apart by dogs. I just wear the dog. I just went, oh! What an episode... Like, what an opening! Oh! So, yeah, Frank gets the call to uh, look into this. And Frank look takes one look at the picture and is like, they were killed by animals. What's the problem? <laughs> Why do I need to look at this? You need to go. Yeah. But they tell him he needs to go. And he's like, you're wasting your money. They were killed by dogs. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah. But they insist. They were. Like, he's not wrong. But still, he has to go. So, and then, like, this is such a weird episode in the most delightful way. <laughs> because we cut to the diner in the town, where yeah. everyone's really nervous about these people who just got killed by dogs. Yeah. Which isn't supposed to happen. No. As we find out. As we find right. out. Yeah. Right. Uh But we're first introduced to the guy from L.A. who's there trying to get a latte. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to get steamed milk minutes. in his coffee. <laughs> and they have no idea what he's talking about. Oh, it's so beautiful. Yeah, and then Frank comes in, so you're the, you're the new sheriff. No, but how great is that moment where yeah. everyone in the bar, they all look at Frank and just everyone's natural assumption. And again, it's, it's about the vibe he gives off and it's about, you know, what his very presence does to people. Everyone just immediately assumes, oh, well, he must be the new sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> and there's your deputy. <laughs> and here's your deputy, the guy who was in charge of moving people into town before they got slaughtered by dogs. Yeah. So he wants to go out and check on the, uh, he wants to go out and check on the, you know, the site of the dog attack. And they tell him, just be sure to be back in half an hour because that's sundown. Yeah, that's sundown in Frank. But, you know, they don't explain to him what the no. problem is. <laughs> you think they could have explained it to him. That would have but, been nice, yes. Yeah, it would have been nice if they explained why, you know, because they, they've got a menace of wild dogs. Well, even Frank should have thought of that. Yeah. You know, because these people were killed by wild dogs. Yeah, like, come so, on, Frank. At night. Come on, Frank. Why are you, you know, so... Dismissing. Well, because he's dismissed the whole idea that there's something sinister going on here. That's right. These people were murdered by dogs. And the idea that the minute the sun goes down, wild dogs are going to start roaming and tearing everybody apart does not really occur to him as a possibility. No, it doesn't occur to him as a possibility. And you're going, okay, Frank. You just just had a good good afternoon with your daughter and everything's going well. And, you know... And this is, this is stupid. Yeah. So, and then Frank gets attacked by wild dogs. I know. In a really, really effective scene. Oh, geez. It was effective. You actually wondered whether yeah, I mean, he was going to get away. He's the star, but they really make it look like he's in trouble with these dogs. You know, and I mean, the, once they closed the doors, I mean, the woman waited as long as she could before she closed and locked the doors and then nobody will open the door. Yeah. Nobody will let him in. Yeah, so he has to get into his car, and uh, he finally makes it back to his car, and he runs over a dog. Oh, that poor dog. Yeah. Well, I'm he about... doesn't run over it. The dog throws himself. At yeah, the he it jumps, and he smashes it in the windshield. That's true. Yeah. He uh, 
he doesn't intentionally kill the dog. The dog leaps trying to get into the car. Yeah. But how? But I, I should have mentioned that the, the, the tiny bit earlier, right? Which is the guy who, when he's looking over the RV where this couple was murdered, yeah. the guy who's like drives up to ask him if he needs a ride back into town. Yeah. And the guy who just keeps saying, it's almost sundown. But it's almost yeah. sundown. It's Are you almost sure sundown. You should. Are you sure you don't Are need you sure a ride? You don't need a ride. It's almost sundown. Don't you understand? Like, it's such a. Fu- I mean, I hesitate to use the word fun, but it's such a good episode. Well, it's so good, except because we don't usually see Frank so clueless. Exactly. Like usually he's the one. Like he is completely out of his element here. Yeah. In a really interesting way, and like they're they've moved this character into a context that he doesn't understand. He isn't the expert who you know can just tell you everything that's going on about these killers anymore. What the hell? How do you profile wild dogs? <laughs> you know, and everybody that's, that's somehow assumes that he understands. Yeah, everyone if, assumes if somebody would have told him. Yeah, and somebody would have told him. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, so and he gets attacked, and he he does he does get attacked on one of his legs. But yeah, he gets bitten on one of his legs. Oh, um, we did forget to mention one thing when he was on his way out. Um, when he was on his way out to check out the house, the guy from L.A. came up to him and said that there's a squatter on my property, and I'm hearing like weird noises from his house and weird smells. Do you think you could check that out for me? Yeah. And he drew him a little map of where yeah. the guy's hut is. Yes. And then says, oh, well, finally somebody's taking me seriously. <laughs> yes. Cause nobody in town, you know, nobody in town takes any of this seriously. But it's like, I, you know, I, I bought property here. I don't think I should have to put up with a weirdo on my property <laughs> is his thought. Oh my God. Uh, so yeah. So Frank manages to get away from the dogs in his car and he runs up to, uh, get let into this upstairs building and they won't let him in and he collapses. And then we cut to, he's been dragged inside and they're having a town meeting because everybody is freaked out about the dog situation, quite understandably. And they don't understand it. They don't understand it. We've played by the rules. And as they say, the dogs stay outside. Yes, that that's the town limits. The dogs are supposed to stay outside. Yeah, And And they don't understand why the dogs are doing this. Like, they just can't understand how anything has changed. Right? And yeah. they're like, like, let's call animal control from, from downstate. It's like, we tried that. They can't do anything. They don't know what's going on here. And they're like, well, why do we get a new sheriff at all if he's not going to be able to help? <laughs> and of course, Frank is actually listening in on all of this. Uh, it's a very good scene. So the next morning, he decides to Yeah, go out and investigate this hut situation because while he was, because while he was, you know, huddled away and injured, he saw a guy come up in a pickup truck, unafraid of all the dogs, and pick up one of the dogs and put it in his pickup truck. Well, the dead one. No, the dead one. The dead dog and put it in his pickup truck. So Frank understands that something is going on with this guy. Yeah. He doesn't know what, but he knows something and he figures this must be the thing he's heard about. Yeah, so he goes to to the guy, and the guy goes with him. The guy from L.A. goes with him. Who explains that, uh, I did love that he explains, like, 
you know, there was the Rodney King riot and there was, you know, gang signs in my street and there's a, turned out my, the, the nice condo next to me was running a crack house. <laughs> I just like, I can't do this anymore. So I'm like, I got money. I'm just going to get out of here. Yeah. And so, and he bought a plot of land and he built a house on the land. Which to be fair is a beautiful house. Yes. Oh my God. That thing is gorgeous. Yep. I love that house. I don't know where that is. Probably somewhere near Whistler. Somewhere, yeah, probably somewhere near Whistler. Maybe it's on Vancouver Island. Like it is beautiful. This. Well, it's high. It's high enough up. I wonder. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where in BC this house is. But the point is, it's a gorgeous house. Gorgeous house. Yeah. Like they went, they went all out with the house they found. It is just amazing. So he leads him into the woods. And in the woods, no trespassing sign. <laughs> right through the no <laughs> trespassing sign. Couldn't be clearer what's going on here. Ah, uh, oh my god, right? Ah. Uh, and, and so then, they find the graveyard. Yeah. He finds the graveyard out in the woods with these simple symbols on the ground, all of which, uh, sorry, on st- simple stones in the ground, all of which have millen- the millennium loop, the Aruberus yeah. on them. And from the woods, he sees the guy from the pickup truck, the uh, old uh, man. Uh, 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 uh. Please. He when they're standing there yeah. around where the gravestone was, because he finds it afterwards. But before yeah. that, there's a dog. They, they yes, one of the dogs is there. One, no, one of the dogs is there. Yeah, and then a whole bunch of the other on and a then ridge. The other, yeah, they're all on so the ridge and they're all watching them, but they won't the, come down into the graveyard. No. But they're but all it's great. And that's when the old man comes. Shows up. And uh, Frank wants him to call off his dogs. And he's like, they ain't my dogs. No. Nope. <laughs> so the guy, so the guy from LA decides to go back home. Quite understandably. Yep. And Frank decides to plow on forward. Yeah. Oh. And so he does. Mm-hmm. And he finds this guy's house. Yeah. And it's all surrounded by stones. Yep. These, these white stones and then he goes into the house and he's looking at everything and he's seeing all sorts of old things and new things. Mm-hmm. And, and then and he finds uh, a book that is written in a bizarre language that I can't, I couldn't identify. Yes. Like a bizarre, strange language with two readable words and those readable words are Frank Black. Yeah. <laughs> in big letters. In great big block letters. <laughs> so even if you're flipping through it, you can't miss it. But what's important is that one of the things he flips through on there is the comets. Yes. There's, it's the there's comet that the comets. killer was talking about last Five or six comets on yeah. one page. Mm-hmm. Drawings of the comets, including the two-tailed comet that we were being t- yeah. told about last week as being this giant portent of the end of days. Oh, I can't believe we forgot to mention the most important thing, which is that every time Frank logs into his computer at home, the headline on the computer, like, the login screen for the Millennium Group is, there are X number of days left. Yes. <laughs> like there's a giant countdown to the year 2000. 823 days was the last. Exactly. And so every time we log in, they are updated. In fact, and in a fun fact, that can tell you on exactly what day each episode is set. Yep. 
You just have to subtract from January 1st, 2000, <laughs> that number of days. Yep, two and a half. Oh, that's a nice touch. All two, right, so. Two years and a few weeks. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So now we have the conversation where the guy explains everything? Yeah, he does explain everything. Yeah. That, that the whole world is in a balance. And mm-hmm. as long as there, but somehow or another things are becoming unbalanced. Yeah. Consequently. And so, and the dogs are, the dogs are being affected by the imbalance. And mm-hmm. that's why they're doing what they're doing. But everything is in balance. And as long as, and there is good and there is evil. And as long as they're in balance, things, things move are fine. And he's like, we have to respect, he's like, God created good and God created evil, and everything has its role to play, right? And we have to respect, we have to respect that evil has its role to play, but we can't let it imagine, like, but it has but to it respect can. us as well. Yes, like there's, and this goes back, of course, to trials and tribulations. Yep. The guy just said. Talked about rules. Talked about rules and, and, killed that guy because he was evil but he broke the rules. We yeah. still don't know what the rules are exactly. No, but we're starting to get a window into it because yeah. basically the guy all but says, like the part he just comes out and says, uh, like there are parts he just comes out and says about, for example talking about how the nature of evil because Frank, because uh, he's he laughs at the idea of serial killers and murderers because he's like all of that is just, you know, genetic destiny and pre, uh, you know, yeah. predestination, you know, and obviously we don't agree with that nurture, but, and, <laughs> but the point is he's like, <laughs> there is a kind of evil beyond that. So he explains what Doug Hutchinson was talking about last week. Yes. That it's like, we are stepping away from the world of serial killers and evil people and talking about the world of pure evil. inhuman evil. Yeah. Like a pure, more monstrous kind of evil that Frank, up until this point, has had no experience with. Or almost no experience with it. Obviously. Well, and even when he's had experience with it, he doesn't accept it. Understand that that's what he's looking at. Yes. Yeah, because Lucy Butler is is a demon possessing this woman. Yeah. Now, he doesn't accept that yet, but he's getting there. Yeah. And then the guy explains to him about about the monstrosity of the house. Yes. That this guy who's running away. Yeah. Rather than dealing with. And that's what the imbalance is. So he's running away and he doesn't care and he's not going to take care of anything. And that's what part of the problem is that it's, it's causing an imbalance. He should. And I did like his message because the guy had, of course, run away from his increasingly crime riddled neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, right. And he's, as the guy says, what, what is less, you know, uh, what shows less character than running away from crime as if we all wouldn't steal if we were hungry? Yeah. You know, it was all like if there were no other, other opportunities, all of us would be criminals. So, you know, it shows a lack of understanding and a lack of humanity to dismiss something based just on crime. And a a very nice message for the show, honestly. Well, what I was going to say is, I mean, he's doing his critique of contemporary uh, Western society as well. Yeah, Yeah, he is. He really is. And it's quite clear. Because this guy has fled to the woods. 
but he wants all of these comforts. So he has built this giant house in the woods. And what he didn't understand, because it's not like it was written on a map somewhere, the, the rule was the dogs stay outside of town. The yep. people stay inside town and the dogs stay outside of town and everybody agrees that these are the rules. And yep. then this guy showed up and he built a house outside of town. And, and as far the as the dogs are concerned, the humans are the ones who broke the rules. Yeah. And that, that is like, the show doesn't say, this is a microcosm for how heaven and hell work. Yeah. But that is what's happening in this episode. Like, no character actually says, we're explaining to you how heaven and hell work. But that is exactly what's happening. Yep. We are being told that this is how heaven and hell work, effectively. That it's like, there are a set of rules, and you could break them without even realizing it. But when the rules are broken, all bets are off. Yeah. You know, the dogs will come once the rules have been broken. It's it's a great scene. Oh, no. I mean, this was a great episode, you know. Yeah. Because then then now we go, so Frank is understand, then Frank understands what's going on. Yeah. He completely clues in. The guy says, yeah, you know, I mean. You had to, you had to hear it. Yep. Um, and the guy. Well, yeah, the Millennium Group sent you here because you needed to be told this. Yes. And so Frank then knows what's going on with the dogs, knows what's going on with the house. And we then switch to the guy watching a movie. <laughs> watching what? South Pacific? No, no. Oh, no, no. What no. is it? This is entertainment. Uh, it's the one with Marilyn Monroe and Don, Don Dan Duria and uh, Ethel Merman and, and something about that's entertainment. Oh, that okay, yeah. Because I'm like, where oh, is that's Heat Wave? entertainment? And they okay. were doing Heat Wave, right? Yeah, I didn't remember where Heat Wave was. Okay, that's entertainment. Yeah, they're, just they're, like watching the most inane movie. Inane thing imaginable. That one is inane. It is. That, that is truly an inane movie. I mean, I I love musicals. And I love Marilyn Monroe. Even you have your limits. (laughs) Even I have my limits, right? But it just the the (laughs) the again discordancy of he's living in this house, this giant log house in the middle of the woods, watching that's entertainment, and then Frank Black shows up. Oh no! And he's and remember he's got a remote control, and he's got popcorn, and he's got a shotgun, and a shotgun. (laughs) Right? Oh, God, but yeah, I love the popcorn. Like, the bowl of popcorn popcorn. is such a nice touch. I know. It is just wonderful. It's such a nice touch. Oh, the the episode was... I mean, this is a good episode. Yeah, it really is. um, It is funny. It's scary. It tells you more about the world. It puts, you know, Frank on the back heel in an interesting way that we don't really get much. No. It's, it's just a good episode. Yeah, no, I all think around. one of, I mean, one of the, one of the great scenes is when the guy pushes him to the stones. The, oh, kid, yeah. the dogs come. Yep. Dogs come once Frank's there. The dogs come again because he's not in the graveyard. Yep. And, and the dogs are there. And <sighs> the old man just shoves him and says, nah, go. And yeah. Frank's walking gingerly towards the dogs. No, nah, mm-hmm. go. And he pushes him literally to the stone. The yeah. dogs won't come past the stones. Nope. They have rules. Yes, that's the barriers. This is the barrier around the old man. The old man takes care of their dead. Yep. Um, 
And uh, so there are rules. So we yeah. have to understand between. And of course, this is about the balance of nature that this guy has upset. Mm-hmm. That's what this is, right? Humans and animals have to learn how to live together. And yep. the man building this thing in the area where he's not supposed to, not that he knew the rules. That's the point. You don't have to know the rules to no. break them. No. And so Frank goes to his house. And, he and we got the funny, honestly, the funniest moment in the episode where he's explaining to the guy that the guy's got to leave. Right? He's yeah. like, you're not going to believe what I have to say. There's no way for me to say this that you're going to understand, but you have to go. And the guy's like, I'm going to have to ask you to leave my house. And they open the door and there are a dozen dogs standing, <laughs> just standing. 20 feet back from the door, staring at the house. I'm like, I don't know who that dog trainer was who set up that, who prepared for that shot, but oh my God, it is the funniest moment. And and the funny thing was, is that before, no, that was a great scene, right? Just those dogs standing there. But the other thing was when the guy gets up to go to the door to, you know, let Frank in, right? Yeah. Do you see the shadow of a dog walking in? Through the curtain, like through the curtains that he's pulled, and he does double check that his doors are locked, and I'm going, and everything else. But anyway, he does let Frank in. Frank, as you say, you've already said what Frank said. The guy, the guy, because Frank says, just go get what you need, and the dogs gather up anything you can't replace. Yeah, and of course, got a full security system. Yeah, and you can see, and he can see where the dogs are. Yep. On the, on the security map, and then all of a sudden they disappear, and then all of a sudden they're at the door, and they're trying to break <laughs> out the door, you know, and Frank's going, well, do you have something else? And what Frank does is he sets the house on fire. No, no, that's what happens after the old man gets there. Ah. Remember? Yeah, that, no, they only set the, the whole house on yes. fire after the old man gets there. Frank, uh, Frank grabs the shotgun and he manages, he does manage to defend them with the shotgun for a little bit. Yeah. Right. Uh, right. But it's looking hopeless and that's when the old man shows up to, yeah. cause you know, he can, he, Frank is obviously trying to settle this so he will come and he will help. And the dogs back off when the old man gets there and he says that there's only one way to settle this and that's when he starts setting the house on fire. Oh, that's and the right. guy's, yeah. and the guy's horrified and he's like, Oh, as if you don't have insurance. Well, that, that's what Frank says. Oh, as if a guy like you is obviously insured. Yeah. You it's know. such a good moment. Yeah. So it sets but I mean, it's an episode loaded with good moments. Like this is the yeah. first episode. I'm going to agree with you. It's weird. It, it is, it, there's, it, it wasn't just, it, cause it wasn't. It is like, weird and it's discordant and it has scenes that you don't understand why they're there. Like I get feeling put off balance. I watched the first episode twice Ah. just to, because I felt the exact same way and I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Turns out I wasn't missing anything. It's just a weird episode. Yeah. It just, it, yeah, it just leaves you. And as you say, we'll talk about it at the, or as I say, we'll talk about it at the end of the season. Yeah. To see if, if we can re reassess what they were doing there. Yeah. Um, Because this episode is very clear about the, what they want to accomplish. It's really yeah. weird done. It's witty. It's entertaining. Yeah. It's just a great episode. And the acting is just fine. Oh, they're so, everybody's no good in this episode. No complaints about this, you know, 
the old man who's made his peace with yeah. good and evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just fine. He's easy. Who's going. there to wa- He's there to watch the border. Yep. He is a border guard between heaven and hell. Yep, and so that's just fine. And the dogs listen to him basically. Mm-hmm. Understand? Well, they understand that he's the arbiter, and they accept that he's the arbiter. And when he shows up, that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, because because Frank's getting the guy out of there. Yeah, exactly. And then you know the how we walk away. The house is on fire. And then we cut back to Frank tearing the for sale sign out of the ground in front of the yellow house because running away is too easy and he's not ready to give up on the idea that they could be a family there. Yeah. Which is a bold way. It's a bold thing for him to do and we'll see how that goes. Yes, we will. But it's, I mean, this is a great episode. Because mm-hmm. like, right away, after that first episode, you're like, what are they doing? Yeah. I don't, I'm not 100% certain what they're doing. I don't know how comfortable I am with what they're doing. But then you get this episode and you're like, oh no, it, it's confident. They're, they are doing something. Whether we understand what they're doing and why they're doing it yet, it is clear that they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, where they're going with this. Exactly. Yes. Chris Carter obviously didn't like where they were going with it. With it? Yeah, well, I'm not going to say some of the places they go, but I mean, oh. It's good. Not, you know, I mean, we're not, is, we're, I want to point out, we're not that far from, uh, Jose Chung's Doomsday Defense. Yeah. Well, this is, this is, this one was, was good. It was, it was the horror show opening. So scary. I mean, terrifying opening, terrifying scene with Frank being oh, threatened. Oh, and playing. Playing, uh, the captain and Tennille's love yeah. will keep us together. Yeah. Oh, good lord. The whole no, thing. not love will keep us together. Isn't it? Why do birds suddenly appear? Oh no, it's Karen Carpenter. Yeah, it's Karen I- Carpenter. Why do birds suddenly appear? Close to you. Close to you is the close name of the song. Close to you. That was it. And it's you know, and you. it just yeah. keeps playing and playing during the whole attack. Oh my god. You know, except that the little dog, they don't attack the dog. No, of course not. No, the dog's one of them. So. Yeah. And pointedly, it's the same kind of dog that, um, it's the same kind of cute Pomeranian. Yeah. Uh, isn't it the same, isn't that the same kind of dog that Scully got in, um, the epi, uh, oh, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose to the X-Files? Probably the same dog. <laughs> it wouldn't shock me if it was the same dog, yeah. Oh, Clyde Bruckman's Final Repose. Such a good episode. Also, Darren Morgan. Uh, you know, the brother of, um, the, the guy running it now, Glenn which is Morgan. why Glenn Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Which is of course why we're going to get, uh, two Darren Morgan episodes this year, arguably the two best episodes of the show and why Darren, uh, Glenn Morgan's wife is going to join the cast. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's some stuff you're going to see that you recognize. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a great episode. No, because it does, it, finally, we've got some, we've got the stakes set out. Yeah, there's, like we don't know exactly. how it's gonna work, because mm-hmm. this is where, this is how the stakes are in this, this country. The cosmology of the world of yes. but we're beginning millennium. to get the understanding that there is pure evil, yeah. pure Good, depending on how you want to. How you want to read it. They are all part of God's plan and there are rules laid out 
but everything is breaking down now as the millennium approaches. Yeah. <laughs> like, there you go. That is, that is the message of the show. Yep. It's a weird message. Makes for a good show, though. But it damned if it doesn't make for a good show. At least for the first two years. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk about that third season later. Ugh. No, even here, I mean, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, the, the biggest shock we've had in doing this, um, because I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something about season 16 of Criminal Minds. Like, we joked about how surprised we are that Criminal Minds is a good show now. <laughs> uh, but the thing is, like, you watch, you listen to us talk about 15 seasons of Criminal Mind, the potential was always there. Yeah. You know, and they had great episodes now and then. But, you know, the biggest, so I'm going to say the biggest surprise we've had doing these podcasts is how good the fourth season of Wise Guy was. Yes. Like, it was, it was flawed and it was compromised by the network's unwillingness to do the show that they wanted to do. Yeah. But they were really trying something with that fourth season that was very interesting. And it could have been like it it could have been a great show. It could have still been a great show. Yeah. Right? Our biggest discovery, right? Our biggest discovery was how bad season three of Wise Guy and how com was and how comparatively good season four was. Yeah. And we know why season three had such terrible moments. Yeah. Well poor Vinny. Oh God, poor Ken Wall. But you know, like all the stuff with the mob family at uh was great. There's interesting stuff in the politic uh the four politics episodes, even if it, you know, doesn't hold up. And Lynchboro is some of the best stuff the show ever did. Oh, I love Lynchboro. Oh my god, it's some of the best stuff the show ever did. But the rest of that season is an unholy mess, even if yes. we did get, you know, Elvis and Priscilla Prim out of it. But that was a, a reference we will episode. never stop making for the rest of our life that we haven't <laughs> a reference we haven't stopped making in 30 years. <laughs> you know. <laughs> like there's I mean there's good stuff, but it's a mess of a season. It really yeah. is. And there's a reason you know, there's a good reason there's a mess it's a mess of a season, but it is. It's it's a it's a small d disaster of a season, yeah. right? And yeah. so I would say the only thing that could be a bigger surprise is if we come out of this saying, actually, season three of Millennium is really good. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying I mean, that's I the only still... thing that could top season, uh, our shock at season four of Wise Guy. Because I know what happens to Peter. Yeah. I mean, I remember some of those scenes still. So those stuck in my mind. Oh, yeah. There's, and I'm not saying there's not good stuff in the third season. The episode with Garrett Dillahunt, for example. Yeah. Right? The episode about wild men, you know, and then like the idea of people who exist entirely outside of the concept of human morality and law and order. And it's like, they're not human in the way that you or I might like wrap that idea um, around our heads, human. you know? And it's the first thing we ever saw Garrett Dillahunt in. Oh, yes. Who, oh. Who would go on to be one of our favorite actors? Yes, and like, his two episodes in his two episodes in Criminal Minds. <laughs> I know. Ah! Oh God, it's the guy who's getting his brother to murder. Oh, the homeless people. God, he's so he's so oh. good. Oh, yeah. and his season on what? Uh, I was about to say what? And his season on Justified was so good. Oh, 
Garrett Dillahunt's, he's just amazing. Yeah. So anyway, that's, yeah. uh, this, this episode, it, as I said, it just sets yeah. us. We now are beginning to understand what the stakes are. Yeah. And I think that the first season, you could argue just that the first season is just slowly, we were slowly being dragged into this just like Frank was. Yeah, I know. And I mean, that's how they want us to wa- say, yeah. see it. And I can totally, it can, it is easy and fair to read it that way. Yeah. Now, as we've said, it seems like Chris Carter didn't feel that way. <laughs> but we'll, 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 we'll but we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. So All fun. right. All right. So that's that. Uh, what are the two episodes for next week? Oh, I didn't put up my IMDb. <laughs> I got put them up. Uh, hey, you know what? I didn't ask you to. So, uh, no, check no, while no, I'm no. saying the thing. Check while I'm saying the thing. Uh, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you'd like us to check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. If you were listening to this on an app or a podcatcher, please be sure to rate and review. That's how people find out about the show. We're going to be back here next week with episodes three and four, which are. Just- I, I really yeah. thought you had enough time. I'm sorry. No. I really thought you had enough no, time. No, I I did, but then I clicked on season two and it gave me a ca- Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror. That is weird. No, that is it, weird it means that found. something something popped up. Some ad. No, no, yeah, you got to pop up. I'm it's here. doing it again. Just a minute. I'll get. There. I can look it up if you want me to. No, 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 no. Now we have to get this. All right. She okay. is now at war with the I am Internet at war Movie with Database. Oh. Who owns the Internet Movie Database, for the record? Yes. Amazon bought it. Just I don't know case. why they bought it, but they did buy it. Yes, they did buy it. Well, it's one of their big... Okay, shows. Episode four is called Monster. Oh, I need episode three. Oh, yes. Sense and anti-sense. Okay. Frank has means nothing stalker. Frank has a new stalker. Oh, okay. All right, that should be interesting. And episode four, with the assistance of Lara Means. Lara, Lara Means is um, is the pre- previously mentioned uh, wife of uh, Glenn Morgan. And what's the uh, well? What I, the I, don't, I, I don't think it's going to tell us anything. Uh, Frank okay. investigates the owner of a daycare center accused of committing child abuse only to end up being... Oh, that episode. Oh, the... okay. Well, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. And that's all I'll say about that. All right. Uh, okay. So join us back here for that. But until then, I'll say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week.